Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Journey to Wellness podcast. Today, I sit down with Katie Walter, who is a yoga instructor. We go through the history of yoga, talk about what trauma-informed yoga is, how we use our breath to live in the present and let go of stress. We go into how someone can begin their yoga practice, and then we get into some pretty cool stuff about vibrational fields and gratitude and a lot, lot more. So I think you're really going to like this episode. It might be a lot of stuff that you haven't heard before. And so let us know what you think after you're done listening. And if you're listening and you think this podcast would be good uh, for a friend or someone to hear, then please share it with them and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a review. I really appreciate all the support, guys. Let's get into it. Welcome to The Journey to Wellness, a podcast that focuses on nutrition, exercise, mental health, and more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, Katie. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming down to Columbus and having this conversation with me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Could you just start by introducing yourself for the people that don't know you? Yeah. So my name is Katie Walter. I am on the show today as a yoga instructor. We're going to be talking about some yoga Um, I have a background, I've been teaching for four and a half, coming up on five years this spring. And it's, it's been an amazing ride. It's been, you know, more so about transforming myself. And then the byproduct has been getting to share the practice with a lot of diverse groups of people really. Um, So I'm excited to share a little bit about yoga today, maybe some beginners listening so I can hopefully start everybody on their own journey. Yeah. And before we really dig into it, I just want to tell you guys that Katie is really good at what she does. Um, I've done a few yoga sessions with her now, and she she doesn't just take you through the poses and the stretches. She really explains um, the why behind it, and it really sparked my curiosity, which is why I felt like I needed to get you on the show, Katie, um, to kind of dig into some of that stuff a little bit more. But to start off with, can you just share a little bit about your personal health journey? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the, the journey for me really started my senior year of high school. I was an athlete. I was playing at a national level in volleyball. My goal was to play college volleyball and that didn't pan out. And so long story short, I ended up throwing shot put my senior year of high school as as a fun thing. Like I knew the coach at my high school and he got me into it. I ended up making it to the state level, got a walk-on position at a division one college I already was going to, Miami University, and just became an athlete in a, a very, very different sport than anything I was used to. I was used to kind of more cardio-based sports, about being lighter, fitter, able to jump high, move fast. And suddenly I was powerlifting five days a week, wasn't allowed to do cardio. I was somewhat being tracked what I ate so that I put on weight, whether it was good weight or bad weight. And I just became, you know, whether, I was a division one athlete, but I had never experienced so much disassociation within my own body. I put on 30 pounds my first semester of college. And I could just feel my body breaking down. And that's when my mom took me to my first yoga class. And when I reflect on what it felt like, it was painful. Like I went into this class. I can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah. I went into this class. I, when I was trying to forward fold, I got like halfway down my shins. I mean, I was a foot away from the ground. And I remember an upward dog, my shoulders were like on my ears. I was so tight. And it hurt. But when I came out of Shavasana, that last pose for the first time in a year, I felt like I was in my body and not in some random shot putter who I didn't know his body. And that's when I, I mean, I was hooked from class one. I was started practicing 
you know, every day pretty much. And suddenly, even though I still had that 30 pounds of muscle on my body, it wasn't so stinking tight. And I wasn't in so much pain in my back because suddenly I had space to move and to twist. And ultimately my shot putting career kept being pretty hard on my body to the point where I had a career ending injury. But again, even when I was going through what became like a little bit of an identity crisis, because I went from being a lifelong athlete to it being over in what felt like a second, yoga was that thing that kept me in my body and healing my body. I mean, that process coming back from that injury was a two-year process. And it wasn't the physical therapy. It wasn't the steroids. It wasn't any of the, you know, adjustments to my spine that helped. It was the yoga that helped heal my mind, heal what's inside of me and my body then was able to heal. So that's a lot, but <laughs> that's really good. And I like what you said at the end, you know, getting your mind right, helped your body to heal. And I'm looking, I'm excited to dig into that a little later on, but to start off with, um, for me and a lot of people who are just beginners or maybe, um, they've just done yoga a few times, maybe just YouTube videos of, um, just stretching or an ab workout that's yoga related. And they might not actually know uh, the background or the history of yoga. So could you um, take us through the history of yoga a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's a rich history. And when you conservatively look at the history, we know people have been practicing for at least 5,000 years. But we also know that for much longer into history than what we have written proof of, people were practicing and handing it down word of mouth. So in the more you know, progressive, like pushing back in time, 20,000 years ago, people may have been practicing yoga, but in those ancient times, it wasn't warrior two, it wasn't chair pose. It was, you were sitting in a cross-legged seat and you're meditating and you're praying. That was what yoga was. And it's not until this more recent evolution, talking like 2,500 years ago still, where we started to do more poses. And this more recent um, type of yoga, it's called the eight-limbed path. It's Ashtanga yoga. That's a Sanskrit word that speaks to the eight limbs. And the first two limbs of yoga are actually all about ways to live your life. Talking about like, you know, ahimsa is one of them. I know we want to talk a little bit about living in a nonviolent way so that I'm living in a way that serves me, but also is uplifting to others. Living in a way where I'm not grasping onto outcomes or grasping onto things maybe that didn't go well. I'm just letting life flow and putting myself in that flow. That These are all are the foundations of a yoga practice. You know, because I could do warrior two all day, but if I leave my class and I'm in a pissed off mood, what good is the warrior two? And then after that comes pranayama, the breath. So there's a saying in yoga that says pranayama before asana, which means your breath matters way before any pose. And then after that, we get to the poses, what is called asanas. Again, that's a Sanskrit word. It's the ancient language of yoga in India. And then beyond that, there's all of these other limbs about meditation, about when we get present in our body, when we create mind-body connection, suddenly these new levels of consciousness open up. And that's yoga. It's, it's not a yoga that we always see in Western culture, but that's what it is. And that's where all yoga leads. I mean, I started my journey practicing power yoga, like what you would expect in most um, studios, hot yoga, very posture based. But at some point in the practice, that becomes not enough. And you start to realize, oh, like my spirit, my soul is being affected by this. And you inevitably, inevitably will start to explore those other avenues. Yeah, that's really good. And I like that you said like poses are recent and in Western 
yoga, I feel like there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, the stretching or the flexibility mm-hmm. aspect, but in doing yoga, you know, a few sessions with you and listening to podcasts, um, and reading books, I'm realizing there's so much more to it. And mm-hmm. breath is so important. I'm glad you said that. And we're going to dig into that. Um, uh, breath is important. Gratitude, um, the mind body connection, all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know, like you said, it comes before the poses and it's, it's really important. Um, so that's really good that you said that. Now you do something that is called trauma informed yoga, mm-hmm. right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. This has been a pillar of my 2020. At the beginning of the year in January, I moved to San Diego and really quickly got involved with a nonprofit called OG Yoga that focuses on A, training teachers to teach this trauma-informed yoga, and then B, sends those teachers into places like prisons, into other nonprofits that work with people who have disabilities, whether mental or physical, just working with people who maybe never have had access to yoga before or have have certain ability levels that usually the practice is not made accessible to them. And the whole concept is, you know, if if trauma has happened to me in my body and my body remembers it, I can't move forward from it until I heal at a physical level. And when I started my training and when I started teaching this style of yoga, you know, I had this list of if you experience, you know, these five things, say that's what trauma is. Think like a traumatic accident, think abuse in the home. And the more I studied and the more I came to understand trauma-informed yoga, you start to realize that there's only that categorization of trauma mentally. The body is either safe and stable and grounded or it's stressed and it's in the fight or flight mode. And there's this in the nervous system, there's the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Let me get nerdy for a second. <laughs> so when we're in our parasympathetic nervous system, we physically feel safe. We physically feel connected. And all of our organs are working perfectly. If we have any cells that need repair, like we have the energy and the space for that to happen. But as soon as we experience something, let's call it trauma, um, that puts us into a stressful situation where we have to switch into fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system, it doesn't matter if that's being physically hurt. It doesn't matter if that's my boss sending me a mean email. Like anything can send us into that. And that was really shocking to me because before I had considered myself a very privileged person, and I still am, I still know that I am. But you know, 2020, talk about traumatic to everyone, like yeah. level playing field. And if you don't take the time to step back and realize, hey, I've had to put a mask on my face for a year and that's that's not natural. And I've had to maybe be unemployed. Maybe I lost my job, whatever it is, even if you bounce back from it, it's trauma that your body remembers. And as long as the body is holding on to that trauma, you're stuck in the sympathetic nervous system, which means your organs are not functioning correctly because you're focused on this fight or flight. Even if it's something you can't run away from, that's how your body only knows and has evolved to act. So let's say here I am in my apartment and I'm feeling the stress of 2020. I haven't been able to work through it. My digestion's not working, which means my body's not getting the nutrients it needs, like on and on and on. And basically in yoga and in the sister science of yoga, which is called Ayurveda, all disease, all dis-ease in the body comes from that inability to get ourselves back into the parasympathetic nervous system where our energy is flowing perfectly. Mm-hmm. Disease, dis-ease. I've never even heard that mm-hmm. before. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. So in trauma-informed yoga, what, what would make that different from typical Western yoga? Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if you're listening and if you've been to a yoga class before, sometimes when you walk into a room, it can actually be a somewhat stressful experience. Like if you're a beginner, you're walking into a studio and the class hasn't even started yet. And you just see people playing with handstands and the room's 102 degrees and maybe there's loud music. Like it can be a stress inducing situation. If you're asked to do certain poses that are really intense for you and you're not guided through that process. Like let's say you're in pigeon pose, it's a deep hip opener, which if you really have knowledge of yoga, you're understanding that by opening the hips, you're unlocking like every emotion that you've ever suppressed in your life. And if, if someone's not guided through that process, it could be traumatic. It honestly could. And it's, it's happened before and I've seen it happen. And even if you are guided, it can be <laughs> traumatic because it hurts yes, a lot. Yes. It's intense. And so in trauma-informed yoga, it's all about understanding these subtleties of the energy body. And, you know, you never know what a person has been through. And to be in an empathetic state as a teacher where, you know, no ego involved. I know that you're on a journey and I'm just trying to guide you to make you feel safe, to get you into that parasympathetic nervous system, which that's really the goal of trauma-informed yoga. How can I get you into that rest and digest state of being and let go of whatever has kept you in fear in the sympathetic nervous system? Mm -hmm. And as one of the ways you do that with your breath, is that? Yes, okay. that's the first pillar. Okay, can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about the breath then while you're in the yoga session, but also maybe you know mm -hmm. when you're not actively in a yoga session, how you can use your breath um, to help you get out of that stress-induced kind yeah. of feeling that you have in your body. Mm -hmm. So in a, a zoom out from trauma-informed yoga, just look at yoga in general. In yoga, we call the breath prana. That's a Sanskrit word, and it means life force. So it's not just like air going in and out of your lungs. Prana, your breath, is life moving through you. You know, you can go days without food. You can go weeks without food. You can go days without water. You can't go more than a couple minutes without breath. So when we focus on the breath, what we're really doing is focusing on our own life force. And this is specifically important for trauma-informed yoga because think about how your breath responds to stress. Like let's say something scares you, what happens to your breath? It speeds up and suddenly you're like, you don't have control. Maybe that turns into an anxiety attack where it's really, really elevated. You have a hard time catching it versus when you're relaxed, when you're in the parasympathetic nervous system, what happens to the breath? It slows down. So, you know, we will never be able to control all the circumstances of our life. It's impossible. That's part of yoga is accepting that life happens. We can only control our response. If that's the case, if I'm stressed, if I slow down my breath, what if the reverse is true? By deepening my breath, maybe the situation becomes less stressful. So that's what we try to do in trauma-informed yoga. And I've actually seen amazing transformations of people who come in in such a state, even, even in a normal studio class, come in in such a state, maybe they hit traffic on their way to the studio, you know, but suddenly when they're on the mat and when I just say, hey, slow down and just notice your inhale, that's connecting you to your divine essence right away. And then suddenly all the stress falls away and you're in this moment. And when we really are in this moment, usually all things are good. Mm -hmm. It's usually when we're thinking about things that have happened or things that could happen that we start to experience stress. Yeah, and I find in my own life, you know, the majority of the time, I'm either thinking about the past or mm -hmm. what I have to do in the future, mm -hmm. and it's stressing me out. And I'm working on recently being present. And does that kind of relate to also like being in your body or the mind-body connection? Is that related or is it kind of like a separate thing? Totally related. Okay. And, and really, I think this is the reason why Western yoga is so different than Eastern yoga, because we live in this society 
where it's abnormal to be present in your body. It's abnormal mm-hmm. to be in this moment. We're always having to think about a million things at once, which really is impossible and which really is a cause of stress. And think about, you know, 2020, we've all gone through things this year where we probably had to press some things down just to get through it. Like I know for me in my situation, I was living out in California expensive place to live normally but this year with work being what it's been like I had to grind to pay my bills and I had to press down some exhaustion I had to press down some stress that doesn't mean it went away I had to deal with it eventually and I had to be in my body to realize in the first place that it's there I think a lot of people might not even realize that there's that dis-ease in their body because they're so disconnected that's why the poses then are powerful because through the poses we get back into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And what are what are some ways we can we can experience being in the present practically mm-hmm. or being in your body? I know for me, one thing I was just reading yesterday a book and it was talking about that, and it said one thing you can do is just use your senses. What are you hearing around you? What are you seeing? What what does the counter feel like or the chair you're sitting on feel like? Um, so that's one thing that's kind of helped me even just in this past day. I've been trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, like use that to stay in the present. What are some other practical ways people can just stay and live in the present? That's a great one, focusing on the sensory things happening around you. But I think even before that, you have to realize that you're not in the present moment. Like if you start to feel anxious, ask why. Just ask the question, why am I anxious? And maybe the answer is, hey, I know I have this deadline looming over me. It's it's due next week. And the more you think about that future thing that in this moment doesn't exist, the more stress you have. But when you say, why am I stressed? And you realize, oh, that doesn't even exist yet. Like that's a future Katie thing. Then I can pull myself back into the present moment by doing one of those things, like focusing on the sensory things around you. But again, breath is the most powerful and the most simple and the most accessible because we're all breathing already. And it's just, it can be instantaneous, almost like 30 seconds of deep, Just fill your lungs all the way up and then exhale it all back out. And suddenly you can be in a such more mindful place. And then maybe you're like, hey, you know what? Instead of being stressed, I just want to cook. And Mm -hmm. and that breath for however long it serves you to do it can just lead you to something that you want to be present with, that you'll enjoy focusing on nothing else but this one thing. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, a simple reminder that I always tell myself is I can only do one thing at a time. Mm And if I, if I have my attention on all the things I need to do in the future, then the thing I'm doing that's right in front of me is not going to be done very well. Mm -hmm. But if I focus on doing one thing at a time and doing that thing to the best of my ability, it's going to set me up for, you know, future Ben to be successful in the things that I have to deal with in the future. Absolutely. So that's so good. And I like that you shared like the practical, you know, take 30 seconds and just deepen your breath. Mm -hmm. Um, are there any other like methods that you use with your breath, like more specific, or do you mainly just focus on, you know, taking 30 seconds Mm -hmm. to deepen your breath? So pranayama breath work is a whole limb of yoga. There's a million different ways to do it. I think, yeah, the easiest way, the most intuitive way is just deepening the breath, but you can also count it. So you Mm -hmm. can inhale for four and exhale for four. So you're having that sensory experience of the breath, but your mind also has something to focus on because sometimes we're so used to our mind going a million, a million miles an hour that focusing on nothing but the breath can be hard. So counting the breath can be a way that we really give the mind something to latch onto and we can still be present with the breath. But ujjayi breath is another one of like the basic 
um, breaths, the most basic pranayamas. And the ujjayi breath is called victorious breath. It's a great way to get present in the body. And basically you're just inhaling in the nose. And then imagine you were exhaling and like fogging up a mirror. Like you can just <laughs> like fog up the mirror. You're doing that with your exhale, except the mouth is closed. So you're just constricting the back of your throat slightly as you exhale out the nose. And again, it's something that takes a little bit more focus. So it makes the mind really focus, but that breath in particular is also deeply healing and nurturing um, the inside of your body. So let's say you've been in your sympathetic nervous system all day. It's been stressful. Your digestion's like totally whack. That is really healing and helps the inside of your body to relax. Mm -hmm. Look up pranayama. I mean, there's a million, <laughs> a million different ways to practice. Yeah, exactly. And you know, maybe you're in your car right now and you're practicing these mm -hmm. breaths and you're in traffic and it's helping you calm down because yeah, it, it helps. It really does. Um, and I just listened to podcasts a week or two ago and it said you know just six deep breaths has mm -hmm. research has shown can help relax you and mm -hmm. so that's you know if i'm stressed if i feel myself really tense i just do those six deep breaths which mm -hmm. honestly might equate to that 30 seconds you were talking about mm -hmm. so that's that's so good um and you touched on a little bit you know the difference between western and eastern yoga mm -hmm. is there are there any other differences that you want to talk about yeah i would say more so than anything we've mentioned so far, it's the spirituality behind the practice. Like I said, for thousands, like tens of thousands, maybe 20,000 years ago, this was a spiritual practice. It wasn't about getting flexible. It wasn't about getting even more in the body. It was about getting more connected to God. Mm. And I think, you know, I'm from a pretty religious area and I think a lot of people were concerned that I was practicing another religion when I started doing yoga, when in fact, this is just one method of prayer. And we don't always get that in Western yoga. And it's such a shame because it's such a powerful way to connect not only with the divine, but the divine within each of us. You're probably familiar if you've ever done any amount of yoga, or maybe if you even haven't the word namaste. And it's traditionally the word that closes the practice. And what it means is the divine light in me sees and honors the divine light within you. And yoga, really how I've come to understand it now, it's not about the flexibility. It's not about the poses. Forget the limbs in general. It's about removing whatever is blocking me from seeing that I am a divine being having a human experience. And everything about the practice is intentional. And everything is just helping to me to become more clear, more open, more connected. And I think it's missing from yoga in the West just because do we have any other example of a physical practice that is for spirituality? I don't think we do. I don't think so either. <laughs> and it's, so I think it's just something that people don't understand. But again, I think every style of yoga is a gateway to that realization because at some point, every practitioner will realize, okay, the poses still feel good, but there's something else about this that I need to explore. And that's where it's going to take you is spirituality 100%. And even the yamas and niyamas, which are the first two limbs of yoga, there's so much spirituality woven into it. And again, that comes all before the poses. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. And, you know, as people of faith, it's cool to just see how yoga can align with mm -hmm. your faith. It doesn't have to be opposed to it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, we're divine beings in an earthly journey. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool to think mm -hmm. about. Like, and so in this, in this, human journey we just have to remove those obstacles exactly like you said um which is super super cool um yeah that's awesome yeah. um and then you know kind of stepping outside of yoga what are some ways that people and we've talked about the breath um but what are other ways 
that we can just relax and let go of stress and tension as we go throughout our day um, and become more aware, you know, even if we're not directly in a yoga session, just um, becoming more aware or like if we're sitting in traffic or if we're in a stressful situation, is there anything besides just, you know, the deep breaths or the breath work that we can do? Mm-hmm. Something I did in my first yoga teacher training, which as I was doing it was very uncomfortable because I was also early in my yoga journey. I would be fine doing it now, but I started doing yoga and then I was in teacher training a couple months later. And one day I showed up to class and the teacher's like, okay, you're going to go on a 20 minute walk without a plan on where you're going. Just like let this intuitive part of your brain lead you to where you're meant to be. And just focus on what you're seeing and nothing else. Don't think about how weird it is that you're doing it. Don't think about, oh, I wonder what that person I'm passing thinks about me. Don't think about anything that happened already today. Just focus on what you're seeing. And after that, I just realized how often I'm walking through the world without seeing what's in front of me. Like Mm -hmm. my eyeballs registered it. My brain knew it was there, but like I didn't see it. And the same goes with everything we do all day. Like how many interactions do we have with people we really love? And we're not fully realizing what's happening. We're not in full gratitude. We're not in full appreciation of what it is. And when we get to that point, when we just, again, that can be a 30 second practice. It can be five minutes, whatever. We start to see that not only are we divine beings, but everything in our life is like divine and planned and a blessing. So that's, that's, I think, huge as well. And a more functional, functional option is my favorite pose, legs up the wall. Mm. If I'm having a stressful day, literally put your bottom against a wall and swing your legs up against it. And it's one of the quickest poses that will get you into the parasympathetic nervous system we've talked about because you have all of this really healing liquid draining down your legs into your belly, which that's a whole nother thing, like digestive issues. Mm -hmm. That's a dis-ease in the body that a lot of times is triggered by stress. And so if we can take all this nutrition and all this liquid from the legs and just bathe the belly and the intestines in that, it can really bring us into a deep relaxation very quickly. Yeah. And from a nutrition standpoint, people always talk about, you know, stress affecting the gut. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you want those gut bacteria to be healthy Mm -hmm. and have better immune system and digestion and stuff, but you're, you're never really going to the root of the stress. Mm -hmm. Um, and in yoga, I feel like you can do that, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So for someone who's listening and they want to start a yoga practice, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend? I know you have um, a seven week yoga journey coming up that Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a part of. I'm really excited for it. So can you explain that a little bit, but then also just explain how, if someone's interested in beginning yoga, how can they start their practice? Sure. I'll start with the second half of your question. Um, If you have a local studio, I absolutely recommend checking out your local studio Most times they have amazing teachers, amazing classes, but I also recommend starting with a gentle class. A lot of schedules will say something like gentle flow or slow flow. It's, it's really off-putting when your first introduction to yoga is a class made for people who have been practicing for 15 years. I mean, it's just comparing apples to oranges and it's so hard as a beginner on the journey to walk into a class like that and not compare yourself and not to feel so inadequate. So I think it's important to go to like a gentle class and figure out, okay, what the heck is chaturanga? Because in an advanced class, you're just going to hear that without any explanation. Um, there's also, I mean, a ton of yoga videos on YouTube that you can do for free. Any, anything that you can do is, is perfect. I mean, Getting yourself started in the practice is the biggest step, the most important step. Um, And then just allow yourself to explore what feels the best to you. So 
you know, you might get into a more advanced, quote unquote, advanced practice with handstands and whatnot, but you might do restorative yoga and that might be your practice. And that might be all your body needs is that deep rest. Maybe you don't need more activity and maybe, you know, your yoga practice never involves poses. Maybe you start to focus on your breath. Maybe you start to learn how to meditate and maybe that's the practice. So, you know, what is attractive to you? Do you want to move? Do you want to breathe? Do you want to really focus on calming the mind? And don't worry about what my practice looks like compared to anyone else's. Just follow what makes you feel connected because that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that because I was curious if you were going to say like, you know, you need to do yoga three times a week or something and, you know, like to have time for that. Mm -hmm. Do people listening have time for that? But it can really be as simple as just trying to stay in the present um, trying to focus on your breath, totally. um, doing what you can. And so that's really good. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for like a YouTube channel um, as far mm-hmm. as yoga? Um, yoga with Adrian has a ton of videos mm-hmm. and basically just like whatever you need to learn, there's a video on. So I would recommend checking her out. And then Aloe is a company. It's actually like a clothing brand that has a lot of yoga clothes, but they have some yoga videos and they also have a whole online library um, that I think has a free trial. Last time I looked, they had a free trial and that's been the best online resource I've found. Some of literally the best teachers in the world have whole class series on that platform. So that's a really good one to check out as well. Awesome. And then, like I said, you're doing a seven week journey as well. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that's going to look like? So I'm really into teaching about the chakras. It's one of the most empowering things I've found in my own practice. And also just seeing how empowered my students are when they learn their own chakra system. And when you're studying the chakras, it's a lot of information. Like it's, it's not the easiest thing to learn. And so I wanted to do this workshop where you know, not only are we climbing through the chakras and clearing out all the things that we might be holding on to from this year, because if we've had to suppress any of the things to get through 2020, it's going to be there until we're ready to get rid of it. So that's one intention is to clear us out energetically for the new year so that we're open to receive, um, but also to learn a little bit about the chakra system. Because when you get to a point in your practice where, you know, I might have a day and I realize, well, my heart is closed and I need to open that to feel better. And, you know, I don't need to go to a class and have a teacher figure that out for me. I can do it for myself because I understand the chakras. So that is um, the workshop. It's starting in January, the first Wednesday of the month. And it'll be week by week, climbing through the chakras, learning as we go, clearing as we go and practicing yoga. It's definitely going to be friendly for all levels. If you're new to yoga, it's going to be pretty gentle flow every week. And um, I'm I don't know if you're going to ask me my social (laughs) handle, but my Instagram is Walter K T and there's a link in my bio. If you want to check any info on that. Yeah. And I will be attending that. I'm super excited for that. Um, and for someone like me or someone listening that doesn't know like much about them, can you just explain kind of what chakras are just real quick? Absolutely. Um, give an explanation of that. And then I'm sure we're going to dig into it more on this mm-hmm. seven week journey. Mm-hmm. So they're basically these energy centers in the body where different emotions, different spiritual aspects all condense into the physical part of that body. So I'll use an example of the root chakra because it's a pretty easy one to understand. It's at the very, very base of our spine. And these are just energy centers. There's not anything like physical in your body that's the root chakra, but it relates to our sense of feeling grounded. Like think the lower part of your body is all about connecting you to the earth. And if I feel like I am not grounded, I'm not stable, something in my life has thrown me off balance, I'm going to experience a lot of dis-ease in that part of my body. I might feel low back pain. I might feel hip pain. 
Um, and the chakras, imagine like a skyscraper, right? You want a strong foundation for the rest of the floors to be safe. The root chakra being at the bottom of the system, if that one's off, it's going to create not open flow for all of the rest. So the idea is that you can pinpoint where am I out of balance? Where am I out of alignment? And by fixing maybe that one thing that's just a little bit off, suddenly all the chakras have more energy and there's so much more flow through the whole body. Um, there's so much more. That's why I'm doing a seven week course, but that's kind of the short. I'm sure it's going to be, it's a lot of information. It's going to be packed mm-hmm. full of information. So I'm looking, looking forward to that. And, you know, like I said earlier, I've been really curious about learning more about yoga and stuff. And mm-hmm. so this has been really great. I'm excited for the, uh, the seven week journey coming up too. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is just about Shavasana. Mm-hmm. And it's a really simple question. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you, why does Shavasana feel so good? You know, after you're mm-hmm. done with yoga and you're just laying there in Shavasana, why is it that it just feels, you know, amazing? Yeah. So if all the poses that we take in a class are meant to get our mind and our body connected, Shavasana is where we transcend the body completely. It's where even if it's on a subconscious level and oftentimes, especially in the beginning, it's something you're not aware of, but it's something your brain is coming to understand is that I might be in this body right now, but this body is not me. And there's something inside of me that goes on and goes beyond And Shavasana puts us into such a deep physical rest that our consciousness, imagine your consciousness is literally connecting with God and you, you might not be aware of it. You might literally fall asleep in Shavasana and that's fine because that is still happening for you because you've gotten so calm in the body that you can let it go. Mm -hmm. And so much of yoga is letting go. Yeah. And so, you know, let's say I get out of Shavasana and I sit up and we finish out the yoga session. And then the first thing I do is go to my phone. Am I, you know, and I'm stressing out about what I'm seeing or whatever. Did I just lose that rest? Like, is it important Mm -hmm. to, you know, continue kind of the rest that you felt and, you know, getting rid of that stress and being calm? Is it important to continue that after the session? Um, and how do we, how do we keep ourselves from, you know, right after the yoga session or right after Shavasana, just getting right back into Mm -hmm. our busy life? I love that question because I taught yoga in the Bay Area for a while and I would literally have people who brought their phone to their mat so they could roll out of Shavasana <laughs> and check their email yeah. and get right back to work. And it's not it's not that you're losing the benefit of what you just did so much as like you're kind of selling yourself short mm-hmm. because you've gotten to such a beautiful space of being you can actually get more done that way if you're smart about the way you work. Like if I'm connected to a divine, all-knowing, all-being source, I can channel that into my work if I do it mindfully. So you can get off your mat and do whatever you want, but can you do it mindfully? I, I think that's the question. I could, I could get off my mat and go to my desk and start working on something, but am I doing it from a place of of connection and mindfulness or am I doing it from a place of stress mm-hmm. or distraction or distraction? Yeah. And I think, I think that's really been the key for me is trying to, you know, whether I'm finishing the yoga session or just waking up or just going throughout my day, not going on social media or, mm-hmm. um, hanging out with friends just for a distraction, but mm-hmm. being intentional about it. Um, yeah. because you know, if you're not, you can spend three hours on Twitter or totally. TikTok or something mm-hmm. and you just wasted those hours. And so I think being intentional is really important. Yeah. I like that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of yoga? I want to get into you know a little bit about um, vibrational fields and gratitude, which I know relates to yoga. Um, but is there anything else about yoga specifically that you want to talk about before we go on and talk about that? That's one of my favorite topics. So I'm, I'm <laughs> You're good ready with, for that yes, one? Yes. All right. So 
hit me with what vibrational fields are mm-hmm. um, for those that don't know. And even I, you know, don't completely understand and why are they important? Mm-hmm. So this gets a little bit sciencey in, in my mind. It makes yeah, sense it to me it. from a science <laughs> perspective. You know, when we look at the smallest unit of what we're made of a cell, there's, there's more, and even beyond that to atoms, like when you look at the smallest building blocks that make up everything physical in our world, they're actually mostly made of space. Like the, the center of an atom is so far away from everything rotating around. There's more space than there is physical density. And what's moving in that space is just fields of energy. Like think about a sound wave and how it, it moves up and down. Those waves are moving constantly in space. And that space is us. I mean, we're like mm-hmm. 90% space. We feel solid, but in reality, the smallest units that make up this shoulder and this leg, it's space. And so there's constantly waves of energy moving through everything. And every thought that you have sends out a wave. And I just, it sounds crazy to think about, but like, imagine your head is a radio station a radio tower and your thought is sending out a wave and that wave is going to be picked up by other towers, good or bad. So if I, this happened to me driving down here today, I was so pissed. I have this chip on my windshield and I realize it's getting a little bit bigger and I need to get it sealed. And I was like, I'm so mad that this is chipped. And I kid you not, 10 seconds later, a rock came up and hit my windshield. I was like, are you kidding me? Because I was That's saying, how it works. It, I was un- unreal. And But the same goes for positive thoughts, which is crazy powerful. And that's why we need to be so intentional with our minds. Because another example, um, I was teaching a yoga teacher training that started in September. And we were just coming off of a really successful one. We had had like over 20 students in it which way surpassed our um, expectations. And we're rolling right into this next one. We're like two days away and we had four people signed up, which was not even enough to like pay the bills. Basically, I was going to be doing that mostly for free mm-hmm. and I, it sucked. And so I went to the beach and I meditated and I focused on my brain being a radio tower And I was like sending out the waves. I'm like, if you need this in your life, if you need to be healed personally, if you're ready to share the power of yoga, like come find us, like come Mm -hmm. find this tower that's sending you this wave because this training is going to be amazing. And overnight we had so many people signed up. We ended up with like 15 or 16 people signed up. And that's unheard of because yoga teacher trainings cost thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And most people don't make that kind of decision, like in a 24 hour time period. So vibrational frequency, it's just everything that you allow in your consciousness, it's sending out a wave and it's going to bring a wave back to you. And if you want something to come back to you, focus on what's going to be attractive to that. So for example, um, let's talk about money. A lot of people want to attract money, right? Mm -hmm. If the thought that's constantly playing in my mind is I don't have enough money, I need more, it's actually in the negative. So I'm sending out the wave that I don't have enough. So the waves that are coming back to me are all going to be about lack. Like mm-hmm. maybe my car battery dies and I need to, which also just happened to me. So what does that tell <laughs> me I have to work on? examples. <laughs> um, but if I switch it to the positive of being like, I am so abundant and, you know, I have all of these resources in front of me. It's unlimited how much I can do. I can give to more people because I have excess. That's sending out the wave. That's money. Imagine money's a person. Money's like, yeah, I want to work with her because mm-hmm. she's got good vibes. And it's crazy because 
things like that, good vibes only or spread good vibes. <laughs> they've made their way into like the mainstream vocabulary in our society, but like actually practicing them, we're just on the verge yeah. of figuring that out. Yeah. And so that, I mean, what you s- were saying right there sounds like gratitude. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And then is, does gratitude then play a really big part in, you know, sending out those good vibrational yeah. energies? Gratitude and love are like two of the highest vibrational things you can focus on. So if you're having a crappy day by focusing for several minutes, well, first you could get present with your breath Mm -hmm. and then you could be really present with what am I grateful for? Write them down, think them, say them, send a message to a person that you're grateful for them. That is one of the quickest and most sure ways to turn your day around. That's not to say you're going to win the lottery, Mm -hmm. but that's to say you're going to feel better and that's going to make whatever happens in your day better. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, one thing I like to do when I practice gratitude, I'm, you know, I try to make it a consistent habit, but Mm -hmm. sometimes I forget. But one thing I like to do is not just, not just write them down or think about it, but kind of immerse myself in Mm -hmm. it and really feel the gratitude like why, what would it be like if I didn't have this Mm -hmm. or like, what does it feel like because I have this? Um, and it just makes you so much more grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really good. Um, and then like with um, the positive thinking, one thing I'm really big on, and I want to see what your thoughts are on this is, you know, not having false thoughts that are positive, not telling yourself you're a millionaire when you're not, Mm -hmm. but having accurate thinking, but also not, you know, where the positive thinking comes in is we're not focusing on the failures because Mm -hmm. once we've failed and, you know, we've, you know, made the correction in our mind, that failure no longer serves us because mm-hmm. we've, you know, corrected what we needed to and we can forget about it and it's served its purpose. And, you know, you can focus on what you've done successfully in the past um, as positive thinking and true thinking, accurate thinking. Um, instead of, you know, just like that wishy-washy positive thinking. Do you mm-hmm. agree with that? Absolutely. Because really mm-hmm. what I believe and what I think yoga teaches us is that nothing, nothing really good, nothing that's really going to grow you comes from things being sunshines and daisies mm-hmm. and rainbows. Like hard stuff is supposed to happen in our lives to grow us. We're supposed to be in a really uncomfortable pigeon pose so that we can fully experience the process of release. And if, if something is happening to you that is really hard, you don't have to cover that up with fake niceties. That's mm-hmm. a Taylor Swift lyric that I just pulled out. <laughs> I know you love Taylor <laughs> I Swift. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> but it's, it's more so about letting yourself fully feel whatever it is, even if it's what we would label as a negative emotion. Because, you know, let's, let's say you lost someone you loved. That doesn't go away. Like I, I can do whatever to try to make that go away. That never will go away. There will always be a hole from that person. And if I try to cover it up, that's just going into my hips where we physically hold yeah. my hips are going to be and tight. And pigeon pose is going to hurt that much more, that right? That much more, <laughs> that much more. So can you be as present with the challenges in life as you are with the good stuff in life? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason like emotion, bad emotions are coming up. They're mm-hmm. not meant to be push to the side they're meant to you know experience fully and learn from Mm -hmm. in my opinion it's a teacher yeah Mm -hmm. exactly that's so good so is there anything else you want to add on that before we go on because i know there's a lot there's a lot in there there's so much (laughs) i'll share another one more personal thing um because you mentioned i can't pretend like i'm a millionaire or billionaire Mm -hmm. if i'm not and one of definitely my challenges this year is figuring out how to be a young, someone who just graduated. I had had a corporate job in 2019 and I decided 2020 was my year to go independent entrepreneur. Hard <laughs> year, year to do to that. Do that. Yep. <laughs> Hard year to do that. My income got like halved. And so I've been in this interesting period where I learned that I will always land on my feet. Like I can go mm-hmm. through the hardest of times, land on my feet, pay the bills and I'm good. 
but I've also had to, you know, be so super minimal and that's not what I want to be. I want to be abundant. And so for me, it's not about like acting like I'm a baller and like throwing money around because (laughs) I'm not. But for me, it's like, okay, how can I embody the abundance of someone who has millions of dollars? And for me, I've landed on, I need to be so much more mindful about where all of my dollars are going. How can I invest in a way that like supports a company I care about and helps make me money? So I guess I'm trying to like embody a millionaire action with (laughs) the amount of money Mm -hmm. I have. And I think that has really resonated with me as a way to have the millionaire mindset with a 24 year old's bank account. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And it just comes back to kind of, you know, being int- intentional with, you know, your money in addition mm-hmm. to your thoughts and your words, because yes. your words are waves too. We didn't mm-hmm. really talk about that, but it's not just your thoughts and having positive thinking and sending out frequency with our thoughts. It's also our words and mm-hmm. knowing that our words carry, you know, those waves, you know, they're going to affect people. Yeah. And so what you're speaking to people is really going to affect them. Absolutely. I know there's a, a lot of talk about books in this household and mm-hmm. the most life-changing book I've ever read was the four agreements. And I went to Miami university. I had one of Go my Red majors. Hawks. Yes. Love <laughs> and honor. Um, one of my majors was entrepreneurship. Um, I think everyone should go to Miami and take entrepreneurship and have the experience of building a relationship with Dr. Friedman, one of the most life-changing people I've ever had in my life. He assigned this book for us to read for one of his classes. And I was reading it before the semester started. It was like summer reading. Everyone's Mm -hmm. so pissed that he assigned it. I'm like soaking up. I'm like, oh my God, like there's a whole other way to live. And I got to the first day of class where the syllabus said we were going to discuss the book. And I'm like, I have so many questions. I have so many things to add to the conversation. And everyone's like, dude, this book was whack. Like this was crazy. Um, And I was like, why don't you guys see how cool this is? But if you haven't read the four agreements, it's, it's yoga in a different language. It's, Hmm. it's yoga from a different part of the world. And it's so powerful. But one of the agreements is to be impeccable with your words because every word you speak is one of those waves of frequency going out. It's going to come back to you good or bad. Yeah. And doesn't this, everything we're talking about with uh, words having power or thoughts having power, it all relates back to the Bible as well. Mm-hmm. And as people of faith, it's so cool to see that, you know, the Bible tells us to be careful um, with what we speak. It tells us to take every thought captive. And that mm-hmm. goes back to like that intentionality. So it's just cool as a person of faith to see, kind of that science and yoga and mm-hmm. the Bible are all aligned. They don't have to be opposed to each other like um, some people might think. And so yeah. that's really cool as well for me. Jesus was a yogi. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he totally was. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone, I understand that, you know, meditation can look different for every single person, but let's say someone's listening and they don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. What's something they can do starting today or, you know, tomorrow morning Um just a place to start to practice gratitude, to practice meditation, their breath. Um, what are just some practical things they can do mm-hmm. to at least have a start? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you get to a point in meditation where you, you can do anything and it works, but when you're starting, it is hard. Like you're breaking so many habits um, to make it happen. And I think the easiest place to start is by a guided meditation where you have a voice and that voice is telling you what to focus on and that way it it just stills and quiets the mind. And so I think if you can find a meditation podcast, um, Headspace is my favorite app by and far for meditation. Insight Timer is another one. That one has a lot of free meditations. Not all of them are good, but a lot of them are. Mm -hmm. Um, Some are focused on gratitude and it's good to meditate on gratitude, but you know, some days 
you might be experiencing anxiety and you can look up on insight time or meditations for anxiety and there's going to be a teacher who knows how to take you off that ledge and get you back to rest and it's a gift to, to give yourself it, it truly is because you could have a whole day full of anxiety or you could realize i'm anxious about something from the past from the future whatever but in this moment i i don't have to to experience it i can pattern interrupt right now and meditation's the tool for that mm-hmm. and it's kind of going back to that um your emotions are signals and so realizing mm-hmm. i am feeling anxious right now and then uh like you said reverse that pattern mm-hmm. so i'm gonna put you know this book um your a link to your uh, yoga journey those apps that you mentioned i'm gonna put that all um in the show notes for people to easily find um is there anything else you want to talk about before we hop off that's all i had for you but if there is anything else i mean this has been so good so far you're you do such a great job at explaining things and so if you want to leave us with any other wisdom mm-hmm. here's your chance <laughs> oh this has been so fun um i first of all would love to hear what people think of the podcast mm-hmm. um i hope this gets people you know meditating breathing practicing yoga whatever i would love to hear what people think but in in total it's like I guess what I want to say is we've been told, we've been led to believe that we have to feel certain ways. We've been led to believe that, you know, this year was so hard and like so bad and like, but was it like Mm -hmm. you can make anything out of any situation and you don't have to have bad digestion because people say like, like I had, was diagnosed with IBS and they're like, oh, you'll never be well. And now I am, you know, Mm -hmm. I was told my back would never heal. I would have chronic pain forever and I don't. And, and so whatever in your life you're unhappy with, be aware that you don't like it, be aware that you can change it and pick one of these tools or more that we talked about today and, and change it for yourself. Cause, Mm -hmm. cause you are bottom line, a divine being. And if you believe in a God that can do anything, that same power is within you. And, um, this is a practice that will wake you up to that. Yeah. And you know, as much as, you know, I've even said 2020 sucks, but I was reflecting the other day. I'm like, 2020 has been the year where I've grown the most. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, 2020 has in some ways been the best year I've had just because I've grown so much through it. And I think a lot of people can say that if they really reflect on the year. I'm with you. Yeah. And I like that you said, you know, you can just pick one of the things we talked about today to work Mm -hmm. on. It's going to benefit you. And once you, if that works for you and you want to add another layer to it, you can do that. And so, you know, you can just start with anything, which Mm -hmm. is super cool. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the podcast today. Um, I really enjoyed our time together. I think people are going to really enjoy it. I'm really curious what people are going to have to say. And um, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of thought provoking things and it's going to make people think, which is, which is awesome. And so I'm going to put your uh, information, your uh, uh, Instagram and links to everything that we talked about in the show notes. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Namaste, everybody. Hey, everyone. I hope you found that as informative and interesting as I did. Make sure you follow Katie on Instagram and check out her seven-week yoga journey that she's going to be hosting here in a few days. I'm going to be a part of it, and I'd encourage you to go check that out if that's something you're interested in. As always, thank you for listening to the show, and I hope everyone has a great 2021.